think that outsourcing work means outsourcing risk? Think again. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Just about every company of any size works with a number of independent contractors and third-party vendors, many of whom end up temporarily on the hiring firm's premises. And when they are there, they need to all be on the same page about occupational health and safety compliance. Just because that individual walking around on site isn't part of your direct organization doesn't mean you aren't responsible if something happens to them. On top of which, in the era of COVID-19, the definition of what constitutes a health and safety risk has to be broadened. With the virus raging, it could mean two people standing less than six feet apart. Today, we'll delve into the complexities of worksite safety with Colby Lane, CEO of Veriforce. He'll help us to understand how companies can ensure that their operations and supply chains are safe for workers and that they're in compliance with strict protocols dictated by OSHA and other regulators. Here is my conversation with Colby Lane. Colby Lane, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Colby, when it comes to assessing and vetting vendor and contractor safety compliance, do you think it's become more difficult now? I think it's become more important. I think if you look at what's going on in the world today and the risk that contractors are bringing onto site, the multiple kind of outsourcing components, and in a sense, it's becoming more important and there's more regulatory oversight. There's more other, I think, interested parties. I guess in that sense, I do think it's it, it has gotten more difficult. And I guess on top of the usual safety concerns, now we have health concerns that maybe we weren't thinking about before, right? You hit the nail on the head, and that's in part what I was referring to. I think you go back, say, decades, and I'm not talking the kind of immediate term. I think there was kind of an open issue in multiple industries as to whether or not it even was a best practice to manage contractors and vendor safety as they come onto a site. I think you've seen over the last couple of decades the, the consensus grow that that's clearly something that should be being done. And I think one of the realities of COVID, which is obviously a global tragedy, but I think one of the realities is I think it has put the nail in the proverbial coffin that that companies should not be employing systems and processes to to manage risk from humans that work for companies who come onto our side. I I don't think people are really saying that anymore. Just to clarify what we're talking about here, I guess we're limiting this conversation to contractors and vendors whose workers are actually on site in one's own facility, not remotely located or even offshore for that matter, like offshore factories and the like. This is an on-site discussion, correct? Worksite. Yes, I'm happy to talk about that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy also to expand, to broaden it, too, if you think that's all. I mean, that is obviously a challenge to make sure that the workers in a factory thousands of miles away, as part of your supply chain, are still following good health and safety regulations. But I'm just asking, you incorporate that into your considerations as well? I do. I think they are 
connected challenges. So I'm happy to talk about both. I think the way companies tend to deal with them is connected, but not usually not exactly the same way. For a company's own site, for which they at least themselves control the site, mm-hmm. not necessarily that all the, the workers who come onto a site work for them, there's more control over the solution, right? So where you're talking about a supply chain for what's happening at a vendor's manufacturing facility, it's absolutely something companies should and are concerned with. It's just, it's not as direct of a connection, right? And so the solutions that you use and that you're necessarily reliant on the operator of that offshore facility to be a good partner as well. Mm-hmm. And the the types of vendors, the types of third parties we're talking about here, can you give me a sense of what some of those might be? Generally in, in, in industry, one of the most common solutions implemented is what's called a contractor or vendor management solution. In most cases, those are going to be primarily or exclusively offered through a technology platform. And these are solutions that companies that are commonly called hiring clients use to assess the qualifications of contractors or vendors, to assess the safety-related programs that contractors and vendors have, to assess the competencies of the workers who are coming onto a site, and to also mm-hmm. assess other risk components where that might be compliance with general GRC programs, with insurance, sustainability requirements, et cetera. And those typically, and today, like really throughout the world, they're being deployed through software solutions. But these contractors and vendors, are, you just mentioned one thing they're doing, they're providing labor. Uh, outside labor is coming into your facility. Are you also including in that providers of delivery services that come onto the facility for that purpose to pick up and deliver stuff? That tech people that come onto your site in order to work on your IT systems? Does it cover anybody, for that matter, who comes onto your site from the outside that has to be considered in this way? The answer is yes. I mean, really, if you think about it, and this is, again, not to make this about COVID, this doesn't have to be all about COVID, but as an example, I mean, you think about that risk, right? Anybody who's coming onto a site is potentially bringing that risk. There's a good analogy for other things. Anybody who's coming onto a site is potentially bringing a lack of understanding about the risk onto your site. They're potentially bringing practices onto your site that aren't consistent with how you intend to operate. They're potentially bringing on a host of things. So generally speaking, anybody that comes onto a site. Before the pandemic, surveys show that less than half of supply chain organizations had a formal vendor safety pre-qualification program. That's rather disturbing. Were you surprised to find that out? And and I'm I'm trying to understand what the mentality is of companies that would not implement such a program. It is commonly the case in industry that a lot of the growth in the last few years has been in what are called greenfield opportunities. So they're exactly those types of things. They're situations where you're coming into a company and they're doing not nothing. I don't think it's fair that they're doing nothing, but they're not doing something in a lot of cases in an organized way. You have to go back to, and I I made some reference to it, kind of a mindset maybe a, a few decades ago, and in some case maybe that has pervaded even more to the near term is, It's been historically a mindset that I shouldn't worry about the risk in my contractor community 
in fact, that's why I have contractors, right? So in essence, hmm. you're managing the risk by outsourcing. I'm not saying that's a, the right way to do it, but I think you understand what I mean. You're effectively managing by outsourcing it. And I think in the world today, in the complex regulatory environment, the requirements that are being put from, from boards and public investors, from private investors, that notion that you can't, quote, worry about this risk just because you have a contract is really becoming less and less acceptable. The right way to approach this is to look forward right, and I think as many people should be implementing these solutions as, as, as can. So here we are in the pandemic, are companies waking up to the need for such programs? I think the answer to that is yes. You're really seeing two things go on. You're seeing companies that have had programs that were very mature programs in what you might consider company-level risks. So that is wanting to understand that the contractor companies have the right insurance, have the right training programs, have the right compliance programs, are being extended to to more proactively engage with the workers of those contractor companies. Like you're seeing that, and you're also seeing, uh, secondly, companies that weren't employing a more kind of industry-leading type standard software solution are adopting them. So you're really seeing both things happen. So give us some tips on what companies should be doing in these programs. First of all, how can they stay compliant with all of the regulations, OSHA and otherwise, that are out there and changing and getting more strict, I guess, progressively? How can we keep track on top of the regulatory aspect? The first thing is if you're not doing something, to start doing something. And there's multiple paths. There are third-party partners. There are consultants. There's, in some cases, very good in-house solutions. So I think one is to agree to start. And the second thing is I think one thing we see is the most successful programs have a really good handle on what they perceive to be their risk profile. What I mean by that is where do they perceive Partners can certainly help and bring expertise, but I think it's really important for a hiring client to have a sense of what their risk is, and frankly, what their risk is not. If you have a facility that isn't a manufacturing facility and there aren't a lot of very complex things happening, that suggests a certain risk profile. If, on the other hand, you have a facility where you're operating a mine or something, it suggests a very different risk profile. So I think the best engagements we see are, are where the hiring client has a good sense of their risk. And then it's the saying, Rome wasn't built in a day, is to start from implementing a program that targets the perceived highest risk and goes from there. I think there's a normal maturation process. I mean, there's some hiring clients that have been doing something like contractor management for literally 20 years. Those are very mature programs. But the new folks aren't going to get that far and shouldn't expect to get that far from day one. But it's important to start, and it's important when you start to have a sense of where you think your real risk is. Who is responsible for this effort within the organization? Where are they on the management ladder? What kind of title do they carry? Typically, a sponsor is going to be at the VP level or senior VP. On occasion, we see a sponsor at the, at the C-suite. Mostly, it's at, at the VP level. We see mostly teams that involve procurement, safety, risk operations. It seems the more common we're seeing in the last couple of years is being actually led by procurement, but it is 
almost always a cross-functional team. And I think that's a really good way to do it. I mean, obviously, the, the more people you get together, requires more work for the hiring client to get buy-in and the collaboration. That takes work as it does in any company. But I think the end result tends to be a better result because what the risk that you are trying to mitigate and manage from contractors who are come on to a site impact at the at the least all of the areas I just identified and in some cases additional ones. But I would think that there'd still have to be some individual who coordinates that team effort, someone to whom everybody reports and has a higher view of what's going on and puts all the pieces together. I would say it tends to be ultimately owned in some senior procurement person. It's a team mm-hmm. that tends to be led and I say tens, I'm, I'm not trying to hedge. It's just, we, you do see a lot of different things. It's also pretty common to see a team led by a VP of HSNE. That's also a very common team effort as well. HSNE, health, safety, and, and environmental. But on the one hand, you have, if this procurement person, they're aiming to oversee health and safety of the procured services, the vendors and contractors. Meanwhile, the organization has to have such standards for their own people as well. I mean, they've got to be common standards that apply to everyone on site or everyone within your supply chain. So I would think that you still need somebody who isn't entirely procurement. Is that someone who works with procurement side by side or oversees procurement or or what in order to make sure that you have the same treatment of everybody? That's typically where you would see the VP or director or senior director of HS&E. They would have responsibility for the overall safety operations of a company in your right. This is exactly the point as to why companies should be doing this. If something happens bad, unfortunately, on a site, at the end of the day, something bad has happened. You know, whether it's happened to a contract employee or to a W-2 employee or to two contract employees and one W-2 employee, something bad has happened. That is where you would see a, a VP or senior director of HSE. I'd imagine, though, that what constitutes a health or safety risk is changing, again, in the era of the pandemic. I mean, you just mentioned mines. Mines are obvious places where you can, all kinds of things can happen, or a place where there's lots of machinery. Okay, sure, we, we can understand that. But now we wonder if mere proximity of workers to one another is itself a risk, having nothing to do with what we consider to be the traditional sources of risk. So are we having to expand our definition of what constitutes a health and safety risk in order to get our arms around this whole topic? Yes, very good point. So you take a like a traditional high-risk environment that may have been using one of these solutions, they're having to expand what they are doing to address what you just said. It's it's not just somebody working on a piece of machinery. It's literally two human beings being within six feet of each other. You're also seeing other situations that were maybe historically perceived to be low risk. In a lot of those cases, I think those are where you've historically seen where they have that's in that kind of 50% that hasn't been a lot of cases. That's in the 50% that hasn't been doing something. And, and now they're being confronted with the reality that they do have a, a significant risk. And I think what's going to happen, hopefully in some timeline we'll get past COVID, right? I think that's everybody's hope. But I think what one of the things that will happen is you will see the implementation of these types of solutions is causing even people that were perceived to be low risk to realize they may have not been low risk. Now, COVID may be the catalyst for them confronting that. So I think that's what you'll see. Well, I guess the message here is that a lot of companies still need to to wake up to the need for really good 
compliance and worksite safety programs and indeed throughout the supply chain of these organizations. Colby Lane of Veriforce, thank you very much for talking to us about this crucial issue and a little bit about what companies need to be doing these days. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. That was my conversation with Colby Lane of Veriforce, talking about the need to ensure third-party and vendor compliance with worksite health and safety rules. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.